Hey there, friends and foes. Good morning, multiverse. This is Back of the Cereal Box. I am your host, the prophet of pop culture, John Pica. You can call me Johnny B. And this morning, we've got Cade Hawkins back along with me, Willow, and Aubrey. And we are going to be talking about maybe the most iconic Saturday morning cartoon of all. Scooby-Dooby-Doo, where are you? And we're going to be doing that right after this from The Murdering Crows. It's like Coca-Cola, Levi Strauss, Johnny Carson and Mickey Mouse. The first star was James Dean. Helmets Presley and he's still the king. Some things are only That awesome theme song is brought to you by our good friends, The Murdering Crows. Get their album, Four Bad Crows, at Amazon, iTunes, Google, anywhere you buy music. We are also brought to you by the Tales of the Decoverse series, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you get books. And, of course, we want to thank our Cereal Box super friends, Cade Hawkins, Eli Cash, Cindy Kep. Sharice Collins, Dave Mattingly, and you too can have your name in lights at buymeacoffee.com slash cereal box pod. That will let you uh, support our show. And that is much, much appreciated. We, um, we have some fun in store for you guys this morning. I am your host, the prophet of pop culture, John Pica, Avengers comic books, Star Wars movies, Saturday morning cartoons made me who I am today. And I am of an age that we did not have smartphones or tablets at the breakfast table on Saturday morning. So in between cartoons, comic books, kaiju, we were reading the back of the cereal box. That was our world. That was our newspaper. That was uh, our portal to pop culture. And Saturday mornings always meant a big bowl of cereal. And this morning, I'm eating the little box of frosted mini wheats, but not just one. I had to do two. So not a whole lot on the back of this box. But uh, guess who's calling me? U-Haul is calling me. We're going to introduce our our co-host, Willow Schuyler. All the way from Winnipeg, take over for just a minute. Introduce Aubrey Absolutely. and Cade while I take. All right, folks, welcome to Back of the Cereal Box. I am your villain uh, host, Willow Schuyler. Sorry, just trying to finish eating here. Um, I'll show you what my, uh, I'll, I'll talk about my yeah, new loot in a moment. Um, I'm going to bring up Cade. Hiya, friends. How you doing, Willow? <laughs> Good, how are you? I saw that turtle cup and I just got <laughs> so excited. I'm like, turtles, yes, now it's a good morning. Walmart is a beautiful thing every so it often. It certainly can be. <laughs> you never know what you're going to find there. 
Especially when you're a nerd and then you just kind of spot it just in the corner yeah. of your eye. And it's like, did I just see that? <laughs> yeah, you take a random turn down. I, what? That was probably near the uh, party decorations, is it? Uh, it was like in like the cup aisle. It's so weird. Yeah. Okay, so my Walmart has those cups near the party decorations. That's oh, where they okay. are. Well, so maybe I that's just... where it was supposed to be. And it maybe. just kind of strayed away from the back. <laughs> maybe. <I don't> <laughs> It's a very weird setup, Walmart is. But, you know, you get used to it. You turn a corner and you find something random that just makes your whole day. <laughs> yep. I got, uh, last time I was there, I got Courage the Cowardly Dog on DVD. Oh, wow. And you know what? I got it at a discounted price. It was great. The normal price is like $20, but I got mine for like 15 so that I was... swear, sometimes if you dig into like the bottom of the bin there, you can find some gold. <laughs> Something that they forgot to remove from like <laughs> years gone by. <laughs> and is that is at the very bottom of the bin? <laughs> All right. Hiya, Johnny. Uh, you He's okay? Back. Do you need to take off? Oh. Johnny, your yeah. mic. So here's what has happened. What happened was. I made a reservation for a U-Haul van this morning to move my Beyond Smoke and Mirror show. The big illusions for the show, we debut at 1 o'clock today. I have to be at the theater at 11. So I, I rented the van for 7 o'clock this morning. I got up at 6, got dressed, went over there. I'm supposed to check in with the app on my phone because they don't open until 8. Um and, and I get all the way through the process and they say, oh, so sorry. You're going to have to come back when they're open at eight for hand delivery. Well, at eight, guess where I am? I'm here. So, so that means I can't go pick it up until after nine, which puts me way behind the eight ball because now I've got to go load it, take a shower, get dressed. I, uh, I'm just a little bit frustrated. Anyway. I'm eating frosted mini weeks this morning, and this is going to make my day better. So let's I love mini wheats in a mini bowl. Let's bring Aubrey <laughs> or up. a mini box, mini box with mini wheats. It's yep. awesome. Good morning, Aubrey. Good morning, everyone. Up, morning. Aubrey's head is cut off a little bit. Can you we'll take care of that? Yeah, that would be great. So, what what's in your bowl, Willow? Uh, I'm I just finished the uh, uh, cinnamon um, toast um, graham crackers. So. Ooh. Wait, wait, wait. Show us the cup again. <laughs> it's got like a shell on the handle. It does! That's so cool. It's got like the, the iconic red too because like they all had red <laughs> at first in the comics. So now, that's, that's awesome. Aubrey is coming to us from Columbia, Tennessee, by magic of the internet. She is a fan of all things comic book, geek, cartoon, and of course, she is doing a fabulous Daphne cosplay this morning in honor of our theme. Ta-da! Mm -hmm. And what's like in your perfect too. scarf, too? Yeah, what, oh, yes. I know, right? It matches like oh, and my you have the backdrop. Oh, okay. yes! I have part of the costume on um, because I was on vacay, um, wasn't able to get to my storage unit in time to look for my official costume, but she has been known to be a little casual. So well, this, this is I love the it. full costume mm -hmm. right there. 
Yep, there's my regular scarf and headband, but that's my outfit that's missing in my shoes while they're in my bedroom. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's fantastic. So, so what do you got in your bowl this morning? Oh, well, I was about to pour it. Um, someone got to me my, my cereal first, so I didn't really get to Ooh. enjoy it. But this is a oh. women who rock, okay? We're talking about Hanna-Barbera, right, guys? Hanna-Barbera. Mm -hmm. All right. So here in a Barbera, like strong women, that. you want to talk about women, you know, who rock. Um, it's really, really cool. But keep this on me because guess what's on the back? Games. Nice. Ooh. Right. Like back in the day, man. It's so great. That's fantastic. And they for all ages. They like trading cards. They do, right? Do you remember those books? Um, those, those, those boxes of cereal where you could just cut the whole box up yes. and bring yeah. it to school with you. You had it in your lunchbox because if you had the it cereal, you were the cool kid. <laughs> so I've not seen, I've not seen that version in, um, in my part of middle Tennessee yet. So I saw it in Walmart. Well, Gallatin and Hendersonville, where I live, we don't get anything on time. It's funny because Willow and I were just talking about Walmart, and I'm like, that is one of the ones I saw in Walmart. It really is. It was on the. It was like in the middle. You know, they put those in the in the middle with a whole bunch of boxes surrounding it. That's what that was. Okay, guys, I'm like sniffing this. <laughs> She's sniffing the cereal. Sniffing the cereal. I can't help it. You what have no idea. In Aubrey's bowl. Okay, oh, ready? Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, I have you on the wrong channel here. There we go. All right, there, there we go. Okay, what's so... in the bowl? <laughs> okay, so it is limited edition women who rock berry pebbles, and when they say berry, oh my gosh, <laughs> I, I want this in a scent to spray in my house because it smells delicious. First of all, um, somebody should turn this into a pancake or a cookie. I wish there was recipes already. <laughs> Just saying if anybody knows how to make some recipes there, but oh my god, there's a lot of sugar. Scooby would approve. <laughs> now, is that it? Does it taste similar to uh Captain Crunch's Crunch Berry? I'd say no, I would say. There's a lot more raspberry flavor to this. So okay. it does have a distinctively different flavor than mm -hmm. regular fruity pebbles. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, it's on my list. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You know, Aubrey, they do make cereal candles now. Mm-hmm. Make cereal yeah. what? Cereal candles. They make cereal candles. So, like, you were okay. like, I, I need this in a sense. They they might have it. <laughs> well, the problem. Oh. The problem. Oh, Johnny mm. has something. Oh, no. Yep, this is a honey nut cereal scented candle, and they do make um, fruity pebbles, cocoa pebbles, um, different uh, cinnamon toast crunch scented candles. Yep, I wasn't even. I need Scooby to protect me. You don't understand. If I, I get all those candles, I won't stop eating. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says romance like having a cocoa pebbles <laughs> scented candle. Well, I'm going I know what. He's talking about the candles that actually look like the real bowl yeah, of cereal. They do. Yeah, they do. They, and there's like some on Etsy, and mm -hmm. then there's some people that take it to cons too. And I, and I've seen it. I was mm -hmm. at um, 
I was at a con like uh, a couple years back, and there was this woman had a whole display of candles, from ranging from the smell of a comic book store <laughs> to the smell of what it might smell like in a cartoon. Okay, I have, very... to, I have to say, I know some adults that still eat scented chapstick, so maybe the candle's not a good idea for some of us. Oh, oh dear. Oh, my goodness. With that. Some of us hasn't grown out since the 90s. <laughs> now, Cade, do Why you have you? anything in your bowl this morning? Okay, so I I don't, but I'll tell you what I would have if I could right now. I, I would have, if I could, I would have the Mr. T cereal, because... It it sounds delicious. It's supposed to taste like uh, like Captain Crunch, but like I'm just picturing the power of Mr. T behind every bite. <laughs> it's punchable. I know. I just I I would love to have that right now, just in a in a bowl full of teas, and and I would share with Jiggy. Jiggy would have some as well. Yeah, I would share with you, buddy. You, you could have you could have a whole bowl all your own. Oh, I think he would enjoy that. I think so. Jiggy, I, he's how, how much would you enjoy that? <laughs> Very <go>. much. <laughs> right right from the poor kind's mouth. Anyway, <laughs> it is time for some viewer comments. So we've got a ton already. Led off by our good friend Dave Mattingly who was also my co-host at Imaginarium last week. If you guys haven't seen that show, we were talking about Godzilla movies and big stompy monsters. It was a lot of fun. And Dave Mattingly says, would you podcast for two Scooby Snacks? Three. Raggy. Three. Aubrey needs three. And Andrew Milden says Scooby-Doo versus a pup named Scooby-Doo. Um, you know, a pup named Scooby-Doo has its loyal fan base. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of them, but not because I don't, not because I don't think it's good. It just, I was out of the demographic by the time that came out. So I never really watched it. But Dave Mattingly says a pup named Scooby-Doo was brilliant. Well, I think that they're like totally different. Like, it's it's really hard to compare because the way they're targeting is totally different. Um, the original's much more mysterious. This one's like, it, it leads with comedy, and it's like mostly comedy. Yeah, so, and and a pup named Scooby Doo kind of started that whole trend of, um, like babyizing. Mm hmm. I thought all of I the think classic characters. I dubbed it the kidification of Hanna Barbera. Well, not just Hanna Barbera, uh, Warner Brothers, the Muppets, all of that. Right? Yeah. 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 yeah I could see that. I could see yeah. that trend start because it was eighties. It, it was yeah. all eighties. Pup named Scooby Doo came first, and then Tiny Toon Adventures, uh, or um, Muppet Babies came second, and then Tiny Toon Adventures. So, you know. I think it was Tom, uh, Tom and Jerry Kids was in there, and then yeah. there was uh, the Yo kids. Yogi. <laughs> yeah, and Ooh, the Bedrock right. Kids. So, you know, there it was all in there. But uh, anyway, Andrew Milton says, oh my gosh, Cade, you've been cartoonized. Where, where have you been, Andrew? Bro, I, I live here. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Battingly does say U-Haul is trying to pull its own magic trick. Well, it's not a good trick. 
And if only Brad, they can make the truck reappear. Yes, on time. Brad Parnell says, if you were here, it would already be 9 a.m. That does not help, Brad. <laughs> and Andrew Milden says, can you make the U-Haul disappear and reappear at the location Chris Angel style? I could Ooh. for $25,000. <laughs> yeah. And Andrew Milden U-Haul says, commercial. who remembers the cereal Pops? Well, I do. I just had some Pops yesterday. They're delicious still. Yeah, yeah. Facebook user says, good morning. You guys are so cute. Well, Aubrey and Willow are. <laughs> Kate and I are just uh, kind of hanging out. I think that's a matter of opinion. Jiggy's cute. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And he plays um, the banjo. That, that is correct. He does. And Facebook user says, good morning. And Facebook user also says, AC Kindred is so cute. I love Scooby and the gang. My childhood mm -hmm. nickname is Scrappy. All right. So cool. So, um, Aubrey, you've you've got a you've got a virtual stalker fan there. Someone's in love with Aubrey. <laughs> um, Dave Mattingly so, says so Scrappy loves Aubrey. <laughs> yeah, Scrappy loves Aubrey. Scrappy oh, and no. Aubrey sitting in a tree. Scrappy hey, was uh, very yes, feisty yes, when it came to the ladies. Yeah, he oh, was. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Mattingly says, Mr. T tastes like Captain Crunch, but with less fool. Right? That's what I'm imagining when I when I want it, like my imaginary munching down. <laughs> I pitied a fool that don't like Mr. T cereal. Andrew Milden says, I love this. I don't know what you love, Andrew, but thank you so much. They should uh, have marketed the cereal that way. <laughs> as as Captain Crunch without the fool. Yes, um, exactly. Lower t lowercase T's would be sponsored by the Catholic Church, says Andrew Milden. <laughs> I would think actually Mini T. He was in the show. Do you remember Mini T? Oh my god. Oh my god. No, I I, I don't it's the boy that dressed up like him. We, I often refer to him as Mini T. <laughs> yeah, he did have his own name, but I do remember that character. He did, but I just can't think of any better name. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Facebook user says, I don't know about a candle that smells like a comic book store. What would, it <laughs> would it smell like B.O. and old books? Oh, <laughs> Dude, dude, don't even get me started. They have one for Blockbuster. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you serious? Oh, I'm sure I could find it for you. That's funny. Oh, and my God. George Bueller says, I love the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Mm. That, that, that may be later on, George, that we'll talk about that. And Andrew Milden says, Tiny Toon Adventures. Ah! And um, Facebook user says, I love Pops. <laughs> oh, and it's Ivy. Ivy Roman is Facebook user. Oh. Ivy is not a stalker. She admires. I did not know Ivy's nickname is Scrappy, but that makes so much sense now. <laughs> I feel like that's what we'll refer to her as from now on, probably. Yeah. And by the way, I had a conversation with Ivy Roman last week, and she's almost ready to come back on the show. Ooh, so yay. for those of you who remember Ivy Roman... She uh, left us to go get a new degree, to go back to school, and um, she might be back. 
And Dave Mattingly says, we're all in love with Aubrey. Oh, He's not lying. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> He's not lying. And Brad Parnell says, I wasn't a fan of kidding, the kidding down trend. Muppet Babies came out in 1984. Flintstone Kids was 86. A pup named mm -hmm. Scooby-Doo was 88. Okay, so um, Muppet Babies was first. Tiny Toons, 1990. Yo-Yogi was 1991. Thank you for sending us straight, Brad. It's always good to have experts in the audience. And George Bueller says, hey, gang, Cade and I had a blast on last night's Fanatic Forum. Yes, it was great. You guys did a great job. We had and a really hard time not talking about Mr. T. <laughs> you know, who, who, who wouldn't have a hard right? time not talking about Mr. T? I mean, come on. It's Mr. T. It was just it, we kept having flashbacks to our uh, cereal box uh, episode. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that. So one of the traditions of Saturday morning is you, you come down the stairs or you come out of the living room or out of the bedroom to the living room in your pajamas. You pour the bowl of cereal to turn on the cartoons. And what what did we do next? As as those first cartoons are starting, we re. I can't reach into this box. <laughs> we reached into the box to pull out the prize. And um, this morning, we have that segment. We are going to reach into the box and we are going to share our new loot brought to you by Entertainment Earth. And this morning... I have some new comics. Yum! So I'm going to show these off first. These are actually what are called facsimile editions. These are complete recreations of the original book, but digitally enhanced, uh, high-quality paper, uh, new uh, color artwork. I've got three that I got this week. So this is Incredible Hulk 180. Which, does anyone know who first appeared in issue 180? First appearance. Anyone? Anyone? Does that help? Right. That's right. Right. And then, and then 181 is, oh, nice. the, is the famous so cool. fight, Hulk versus Wolverine. And, um, and then I also got the facsimile edition of X-Men 101, the first appearance of Dark Phoenix. Now, here is, and this is Dave Cockrum art on, on this fantastic artwork. It is just a complete remastering of the classic story. Look nice. at how, how great it's that art so pops, cool. the colors. But here's what's really cool about this. And Cade, you're going to love this. Is that they reprint the ads. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. From them. Yeah. So this is a, a, a subscription ad, you know, blow, uh, blow, Pops, charms, blow pops. Um, and then, um, oh, look at this. The mighty meat snack conquers the horrible hungries. Snap into a Slim Jim. Yeah. That is so awesome. <laughs> and, and look, you can send away for a locksmith kit, become a locksmith. Yeah. Oh, look. So cool. Posters for $1.99. Oh, that's awesome. Do they have like dates on those? Like, uh, like, you know, where they would print like, like eligible to this time or no, whatever? 
No, no, there was never a, an expiration date on these. Oh, so look, this this is great. Um, an ad to sell Grit magazine and get prizes and cash every week. And then these are the classifieds. I, I miss these. Okay? I've had a comic with those ads. I, oh, Yeah, I miss the ads. And I, I don't understand why we don't have them anymore. Look at this. Spider-Man action water glove. Oh. You filled it oh up God, with water so cool. and, and it shot the water out when you pressed the button. No lie, I was at a yard uh, yard sale yesterday. They were selling like a modern version of that. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. So um, this is not. Let me see. This is not Captain O, but this is how I got my first magic kit. Um, it was a company called Captain O Olympic greeting cards. It was the same thing. You sold boxes of greeting cards, and you got cash or prizes. And I one of the prizes was a magic kit. And um, that's that's how I got my first magic kit and got met uh, into performing magic. Ooh, just Johnny Lore. Was right? the ad in the, yeah. Yeah, so there Johnny you have origin it. Origin story of Johnny Beyond. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely right. And that's why I love comic conventions and performing at comic conventions because comic books kind of started the whole thing. All right, who else has some new loot? Mm -hmm. Aubrey? Aubrey looks like she's getting ready. Aubrey okay. is reaching into the box. <laughs> so um, I went to a cute little geek shop um, in um, Delaware, my little trip, um, on the boardwalk. And check it out on my Instagram. The owner, you only get a slight flash of him because he asked not to be on the video. So we decided, you know, together that would be very respectful. But he's got a lot of cool things. We're talking about some old, old toys. He did not, however, have anything old Scooby-Doo, but he did have slightly retro because it's a shaggy truck. Okay, I don't know if there's any Hot Wheels fans out there. But I'm this, a Hot Wheels I know, fan. I, I know this a few. Is, it, it says shaggy on the side there. I don't know if you can get that. Yep. And then there is his image right there. Like, like I got my own truck, Scoob. That's a great. Who did that? That was Johnny. <laughs> that was Johnny. Johnny, that was amazing. That was so good. And of course, my friend found out I was doing the stream, so she got me a little Scooby Doo because it was a little ahead of time. So I was gonna have a friend crochet one, but we have him. What? Okay, so it's not Scooby Doo related. I'm sorry, but this this is kind of the coolest thing. This is a tiny little pin is of the, the Phantom. Phantom? Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> Aubrey, did, did you know that I am an absolute, like, over-the-moon fanatic for the Phantom? I did. I did. Um, I did buy a gift for Johnny, by the way, to say thank you. Um, also, thank you to the fans, but I did buy um, Johnny a gift. And if you look in the corner over here, he's sitting there with the greenery. Um, in honor of Kaiju, do you see him? Do you see him? I'm about to go. Ah! Ooh, okay. This is a retro. This is a retro. This I bought for Johnny. And this is a retro King Kong. I love that. That's from Imperial Toys. Yeah. From Imperial Toys. And the gentleman at the store was like, this is the last one. And it's I haven't found one in a while. So... 
Here you go. I love it. Thank you. And a congratulations on your new show coming up, too. Yes. This <laughs> afternoon at 1 p.m. So I'm, I'm super excited. Super excited. Um, all right. So, Willow, you got any new loot this morning? I know you've been busy with the yeah. uh, the Fringe show, so you've been focused yeah. on that. Well, I bought this a while back, uh, searching for prop ideas for my Fringe show. La La Lunacy. Um, so I put a lot of work into this show. Uh, those of you who are in Winnipeg, please come see us. Um, the sound, the sound effects, the music, pretty much on me. Um, the the costumes, uh, some of the pieces of the costumes, yeah, I I fixed and and brought to the brought for the group. Um, so yeah, uh, there's a skirt that I wear that I had to take the feathers off. <laughs> so anyway, so while I was at Walmart searching for prop ideas, I found this. Yay. And Teenage it's really Mutant Ninja it Turtles. Shell on the handle. Um, so I'm gonna do a two for one. Look what I found, Johnny. <gasps> Yay, you got some candy pop. Have, have you tried it? Not yet. Oh, Hasn't wait, been wait. open yet. Wait, wait, wait. So this is not officially will it cereal, but Willow is going to do a taste test of candy pop Snickers. Oh. And we had this at Imaginarium last week. We didn't have the Snickers. We had uh, Chips Ahoy and Fruity Pebbles and Cocoa Pebbles. But mm. I love the smell of this. The Snickers is a pretty good one. Yeah, it's a win. I'm not. Definitely I'm not a, a big win. fan. I'm not a big fan of chocolate on popcorn, but caramel on popcorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, Snickers. Snickers is good. Well, you enjoy that Snickers candy pop, <laughs> Cade. Um, you sent us some pictures of your loot, and since we're talking about Scooby Doo this morning, it's only apropos that we show off a little bit of your collection. This is your action figure collection, looks like. Right on. Yes, it is. This I've is got... an impressive collection. Well, thank you. Now, now the the box set in the middle. Yep, that's a I... Funko. Those are, um, I think they're called Superstars. I have, to, I have to verify that. I've never seen that set before. It's like a, a, a hero world. That's what it's called. Yeah, it's Not almost Superstar. like a diorama, yes? Kind of. In the hard um, case? There's no background. They're just kind of posed that way. Although Shaggy was like flipped over, it was so hard to get him to stand up. <laughs> okay. You can't you can't open that thing and like fix it. You have to like if you're opening this, you're completely tearing it apart. But I just love the way they're displayed, so I I kept them in box. Awesome. Now up front, you've got the diorama. Is that the Super Seven set? On the left. Yeah. Those guys are the Mystery Incorporated figures. Okay. Uh, or at least they came out during that time. And the way I can tell very quickly that they're from that time is that Velma has these bows in her hair that they didn't they didn't have in any other show. All right. All right. So you can easily tell. And then like the sculpts are very similar to that. Okay. Um, but they are kind of comparable to how they used to be like pre like like in the mid two thousands. So you could get the same set you could get the same set from the 2000s and be very comparable to these guys all right all right and then we've got your mystery machine collection this is impressive 
Oh, thank you so much. I love the Mystery Machine. <laughs> uh, quite a few of them are from Johnny Lightning, like that one in the middle. And uh -huh. I think those are probably the most accurate in terms of like how it's made to look like the cartoon. Mm -hmm. Because the windshield uh, doesn't go like at, a, at an angle like it did in the later shows, um, where it has this sort of like um, sharp cut. It goes straight down in a curve fashion like the original van would have that is based all right on. all right very cool and I, I one that's this. made of yarn <laughs> oh yeah my God. That's well it's it's not real yarn but it's made to look like yarn it's from uh robot uh kid robot i think they're called okay um i'll have, I'll have to share that with you later but basically they, they made uh they made a whole bunch of scoobies that look like uh, they have a scooby and a Velma and a Shaggy, at least, that are all made of yarn. But my favorite was, of course, the Mystery Machine. That's awesome. I love that. So Cade's Loot Mystery Machine Collection and his Scooby Action Figure Collection. That's epic. really good. It's a huge collection. I really love it. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. So we got a couple more, um, couple more comments here. Um, Speaking of Mystery Inc., Cade, Ivy asks, what do you all think about Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc.? I thought it was epic. Very, very cool. Uh, yeah. It's like, um, it. okay, so a lot of people consider that a prequel to Scooby-Doo, and it kind of is, but it's also kind of not. It's really a very isolated event. And the way I see it is, like, when you get to the end of the show, you cannot look at it like, oh, this show should have had more seasons. This is not fin. It's a finished show. It's like a yeah. whole... You it is a it narrative all... from beginning to end. It's like a movie. Yeah. It's it's basically like a really ex long movie. And it's yeah. really good. It was fantastic. One more comment before we uh, share a commercial. Uh, hey, Johnny and crew. Hey, Cartoon Commotion. Nice to see you today. Is Jiggy here also? Is Jiggy here also? <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> He's always around. Of course he is. Um, and with that, we need to acknowledge our charity partner. And the uh, show today, Back at the uh, Beyond Smoke and Mirrors, is actually benefiting our charity partner, Comic Books for Kids. Check this out. Comic Books for Kids provides comic books to kids in hospitals and cancer centers across the U.S. It's a place where we can all work together to make sure every child has a comic book. 100% of all proceeds go towards the kids. It's about making a difference, and while they're in the hospital, allowing them to fly like a superhero, battle dragons, or rescue teddy bears. We are in every state in the country and now support over 160 hospitals. Every month, we add more. Visit cb4k.org. Yay! And now it is time for the main attraction. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, let's get ready to rumble. It is Saturday morning 101, where we talk about the essentials of Saturday morning cartoons as voted on by you, our viewers and listeners, our audience. And the number one show that was at everybody's top of the list, at the top of everybody's list, was the show that we're going to be talking about today. And the only reason we waited this long, Cade, to do Scooby-Doo is because last October we did a whole month 
of Scoobtober. Right. Since then, Aubrey has joined the show, and you are with us this morning, so we have some fresh perspectives. And um, I don't remember, um, you weren't, Willow, were you part of every one of those shows last October? I think the majority of them, I may have missed a couple, but yeah. Um, And then, of course, because I didn't have the proper streaming channels to watch it, uh, I had to kind of rely on YouTube. (laughs) That's great. Now I'm remembering this because we talked about the movies quite a bit. Yeah. Um, And um, but this morning we are talking about and where where did my notes go? This this is going to drive me crazy. I'm I'm losing my mind, you guys. You know what? I've just got too much going on. That's that's what it is. I've just I'm. I, I know I sent you guys links. Well, to, I oh, here you... it is. It's in oh, a different okay. chat. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Why is it in two different chats? All right. So anyway, we are talking about the Saturday morning classic, Scooby Doo. Where are you, Scooby Dooby Doo? Where are you? Got some, some oh, work got to do up. now. Yeah, he, he wanted me to do a solo. You just cut out right there. Now, did, did you know, Cade? I did not know this, but after the original series aired, did you know that Davy Jones from the Monkees did a version of the Scooby Doo theme song? Really? Was that so? Uh, no, I didn't. I thought that yeah. was. Um, I thought that it was just because of the the popularity of that sort of music. You know, because in the second season they had that more sounded kind of like i guess brit pop you could yeah, call it that was that was davy jones singing that lead vocal really yes yeah. yeah anyway anyway um this uh this show came out in what year cade 1969 september 13th so we're coming up on an anniversary yep. um and it and it only aired for two seasons though mm-hmm. from september 13th to october 31st 1970 well, but, I think they consider it three seasons because that's what I got. But it was like, it was like for the when they updated it as well, and they started to get scrappy. I think. Well, so the original series ran sixty nine to seventy uh, to seventy two seasons, and then in nineteen seventy eight, a selection of the episodes from that uh, earlier series were repackaged as part of Scooby's All Star Laugh Olympics. And the Scooby-Doo show was aired on ABC um, under the Scooby-Doo Where Are You name. And they were released. um, So anyway, a lot of different versions of of this. And um, I'm trying to see the whole rundown here. There were 17 episodes in the first season, only eight in the second in 1970. And then 1978, there were uh, 16 so they, because they repackaged the old ones and combined them, um, but then we had Scooby Doo and the original mysteries, Scooby Doo's spookiest tales, Scooby Doo creepiest capers, great mysteries. Um, then there was a complete third season. Is it was released as a complete third season on home video. Um, what else do we have? There was, um, well, we'll talk about this in a minute. But, um, <laughs> Cade, I, I sent you and Aubrey and Willow some kind of notes, some talking points, because one of the things that really I noticed for the first time 
watching these episodes again. And you've got to understand that when I was a kid, I was actually not a Scooby-Doo fan. It wasn't, <gasps> until, it wasn't until I got married and my wife was an absolute Scooby-Doo fanatic that I learned to appreciate it. Now, I'm, now I am a fan. But re-watching these episodes, having just come off of talking about the Filmation series, in particular Tarzan and Super 7, and talking about how... And by the way, over the weekend at Imaginarium, I got to spend time with Rob Lamb, who was the storyboard director for He-Man and She-Ra. He's the one who inspired this thought. Um, Filmation was the first animation studio to use ultra-detailed matte paintings as their backdrops. And Mm -hmm. Scooby-Doo borrowed from this very heavily, Mm -hmm. Rob believes. Rob believes that Hanna-Barbera was inspired by Filmation and Ruby Spears, who created the Scooby-Doo series for Hanna-Barbera, were basically gypped the Filmation backdrops for Scooby-Doo. Any thoughts on that, Cade? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess I could see the inspiration. Um, Like, they were contracted to do it because basically Hanna-Barbera was doing, well, they were doing other things. They were contacted by Fred Silverman, who wanted to do Archie, but couldn't, um, because that was owned by Filmation. So... What we have here is sort of a workaround thing, so they probably had a lot of last-minute, like, you know, pressure to try and make something happen, and I guess it's very easy to look at things that are working and say, okay, I really like how they did that, let's see how we can mirror that or, like, replicate that. It's, you know, and I don't see it as really jip, because, like, it's, I mean, the world of cartoons back then, we're talking, like, they're pumping out... their ecosystem. They're pu- they're pumping them out so frequently that they had like a lot of competition. They had a, a very a big amount of things that were inspiring all at once. So I mean, very well could have just been like, well, I really like how they did it there, and I'd like to do something similar. Well, here's here's one of the techniques that they borrowed from Filmation for Scooby Doo, and and I know that this originated with Scooby Doo for Hanna Barbera because. The Flintstones did not use this technique, and that was using the standard character models and stock footage. So, like, every time you saw the gang running or walking, that was stock footage. Um, Yeah, anytime you saw the mystery machine driving, that was stock footage. And that was a technique that Filmation really perfected. And... Um, but what I liked about this series the most is that it set a precedent for not just Hanna-Barbera, but for all of the kind of spinoff series that were to come. So it inspired Josie and the Pussycats. It inspired Captain Caveman. It inspired Fang Face. It inspired Jabberjaw, Genie, Speed Buggy, the Funky Phantom, the Flintstone comedy show, uh, the Amazing Chan and the Chan Clan. Inch Eye, Private Eye, Goober and the Ghost Chasers, Clue Club, uh, mentioned Captain Caveman, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids, and the new Shmoo. All of those were direct spinoffs from Scooby-Doo, trying to capture that, you know, format of 
the gang of kids and a lovable sidekick. And they all used a technique that Scooby-Doo established. And that was standard character models and um, that stock footage. But none of them did it as well. None of those spinoffs even begin to touch the quality of Scooby-Doo. That's the other thing that shocks me is the absolute quality of the animation, the artwork, and the uh, voice acting. Yeah, the formula was established there, and they just couldn't replicate it the same qual the at the same level. Right. I don't think I never saw it the same way. Like I tried to watch a few. Like Josie and the Pussycats um, was very interesting. How it was, it was actually you could even hear some of the scores from Scooby Doo in it. They would borrow from other cartoons, mm-hmm. and and it felt like at many times like I was watching a variation on Scooby-Doo, but without Scooby. And it was just like, well, this doesn't feel right. Well, and that was yeah. the whole point was to capitalize on that. Now, Willow, were you, were you a fan of Scooby-Doo? Absolutely. And so I sent you back in time to watch some of these episodes this week. I know you were busy with the Fringe Festival, yeah. but did you get a minute to just, you I, know, I watched a little you? bit this morning. Um, and you know, <laughs> What I love about Scooby-Doo is with all the debunking that uh, I've been trying to do uh, with uh, other in my own uh, world with, um, you know, all these places that claim that they're haunted and the theater that I'm in apparently has a ghost of, well, okay, so there's two different stories. There's a ghost of a janitor named George or the, the the or it's a kid named George. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm getting two conflicting stories with this. I will get to the bottom of it. Well, but every do <laughs> every is sorry. Go ahead. Every every theater is haunted, Willow. Yeah, yeah. But Scooby Doo essentially debunks the these myths of these places being haunted. Mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo, according to Dave Mattingly, that the real bad guys are always greedy old white men. And, and he's not wrong. They were always the bad guys. I don't remember there ever being a, a female bad guy. Was there? There was a couple, I, I think. Know. Not in the original. Not in the original. Not the original two seasons. Not. I mean... Witches, uh, they're pretending think, to be witches, think, though. Like there was a witch, but well, I that don't was think... that was Scooby Doo on Zombie or Scooby Doo and the Witch's Ghost. I think I think we didn't have any female villains until the Sco- new Scooby Doo movies. If you know in the audience, let us know if we missed one. I'm sure Brad Parnell knows, <clears throat> and he says I was a little bit young for Scooby Doo when it started, as I was four, but. I was seven when the new Scooby-Doo movies appeared in 1972, and that's what I'm talking about. And that's always been my favorite, guest stars galore. That's oh, where so we, many guest stars. Yeah, that's where we got the, the Scooby-Doo Batman crossover for the first time. I was going to say. I was uh, going to say that's exactly what my mind goes to. And and Vincent Price appeared on that oh, for the first time, which inspired the Vincent first Price. ghosts of uh, Scooby-Doo. And, um, yeah. So Vincent Willow, Price what, is a favorite of mine. What what is what is your you know updated grown up opinion of Scooby Doo now? Um, it you know what it I it honestly hasn't changed since I was a kid. Uh, it's it's a fun watch. Uh, 
I mean, the, every episode is similar to, you know, they, they go in trying to find out what the secret of the place that they're searching at. Um, and then at the end, they, they discover who the monster really was. Um, uh, of course, I, I, I know that I know that the the guy who created uh, Scooby Doo really um, hates the idea of uh, Scooby and Shaggy being high on marijuana, <laughs> but I mean it's very obvious <laughs> some of the jokes. <laughs> well, they they did they deny that, but but <laughs> Eli T. Cash says, "Ah, Scooby Doo, the original Gateway cartoon for paranormal enthusiasts, and totally." Not grave robbers, yes. Totally not. Yeah. Now, now, Aubrey, what did you find out? Because I know you like to do some homework and some digging. I so do. I know you have notes. <laughs> Take it away, Miss Aubrey. You have okay. a journal. She's she's hardcore, Cade. I love it. <laughs> okay. So um, while I was on vacay, um, in between seeing um, Gabriel Iglesias live in Delaware, which was great, um, a little updated, you know, not so old. I love comedy. So that's one of the reasons I still love Scooby-Doo, even as an adult. There was a good bit of camp in there. Come on, guys. Okay. You can't have a mystery without a little bit of, oh, what just happened? That was super, super awkward, you know? Um, so there's just no way to handle um, the uh, mystery as a kid and the darkness, the grittiness of Scooby-Doo when you're just seeing all these bright colored comic and, and, and cartoons as a kid. You're like, oh, what is all this adult, you know, theme? It's There's deadly situations. People might die or people do die or you think they die, you know, like in the show. And as a kid, that's like, oh, someone died? Like, the cartoons don't die. Like, they just come back. Well... This one, it did come back, but originally our little troop was not called what they are called now. Before it aired in the very, very beginning of Scooby-Doo, it wasn't even called Scooby-Doo. In 1969, they were playing around with House of Mystery. House of Mystery. Well, there's there's no house. It's just a van. So I guess they went and scrapped that idea. Um uh, they were very much inspired by the Ab Abbott and Costello kind of Frankenstein. Okay, Silverman, Fred Silverman, CBS, loved the kind of spoofy mystery series. It's like, there's a little bit of this. There's a little bit of darkness. There's a little bit of what's going on over here. Um, and it very much was a um, kind of new, inspirational, gritty, real life thing for the kids to be involved in. The music was very on point for the time. Um, another another thing that Joe and Ken Spears worked on was they worked with um, a similar artist, Takamato. I don't know if you remember him from um, the uh, Johnny Quest. Um, he was an artist that was kind of involved in that a lot. And Hanna-Barbera. He's, he's the one who did the uh, character model for Bandit. Yes, yes. And so that's another thing. Um, they didn't want to have um, another character. They were really playing with a Scooby-Doo character. You know, I have a f thing where I really want to know, like, why did they do this? I was wait, the wait, 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 wait. Before, before you go there, yeah. Aubrey, before yes. you get ahead, Cade, what was the original name for Scooby-Doo? It was Too Much. His name was going to be Too Much, <laughs> and that was... A, a, 
eventually in 1984 transferred over to uh, the kid sidekick of Chuck Norris. <laughs> um, and Too Much was a, he was kind of like, I guess you could call him a sheepdog, sort of, like the way he looked. He had like, mm. and then he played the bongos. So it was kind of like almost a shaggy reversal, like he was a shaggy dog rather than shaggy. <laughs> well, so so the show could have been called Too Much in the House of Mystery. It could have. And that actually has a nice ring to it. But I'm so glad it didn't get called that. <laughs> I'm so glad because, I mean, Too Much is such an obnoxious title. I would hate to see an entire series where I, like, the character they're trying to make you fall yeah, go, in love go with. Go take care of that, Aubrey. <laughs> I thought Some, the door was being knocked on. Yeah, like... someone's pounding on her door. I hope she's, that. that's kind of weird. Anyway, <laughs> she'll, she'll be back. Um. Now, hey guys, Willow, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to run in like three minutes. Okay, so, I'm so we're over. taking the show on the road. <laughs> well, I'm I'm turning over the hosting wheel to you to guide okay. this train in. And um, Aubrey and Aubrey and Cade, they've got copious notes, so just well, I'll uh, Aubrey, you can uh, continue with your notes. Well, I'm going to say I'm going to say that uh, I'm going to jump out. Okay. Everyone, if you are in the Middle Tennessee area at 1 p.m. today, check out my brand new live show, Beyond Smoke and Mirrors, at my website, johnnybeyond.com. And um, I'm going to go take care of all of that. You guys pray that I don't die. Um, pray that people show up. And um, Willow. I, I yield the calms to you, number one. Break leg, my friend. All Take right, it we'll to later. infinity and beyond, Johnny. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs> All right, so, Aubrey, you can continue with your notes. Oh, you're, you're muted. Or... Aubrey, you're muted. She's crying into the void. There you go. There you go. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, they're um, redoing my bathroom, and they weren't supposed to come this morning. So sorry, guys. No, no, that's that's fine. No biggie. Um. So the original characters were five characters, like we have now, right? One was not a dog. Oh. Originally, it was not supposed to be a dog. Um. The uh, official uh, word is that Hanna Barbera was like, no, we need a dog. The Hanna Barbera team said, "This, this, it, this needs a dog. It needs a dog." Um, it just happened to be that one of the people on staff was raising Great Danes, so it kind of inspired them to stay with that. They had some uh, photography available, and they really kind of worked with it. Um, but the original five characters were Kelly, Jeff, WW, so WW, Linda, and Mike. I, I hope they're all idea. boring names. <laughs> was WW supposed to be Shaggy? Um, I, I think so. I think so. Um, Daffy and Fred look like the original artwork for Kelly and Jeff. Okay. So if you look it up, the original Daphne and Fred is actually Kelly and Jeff in disguise. <laughs> um, Takamato was a huge proponent because um, someone was breeding the dog. That he just loved the visual 
And he was like, I can draw this dog. Like this is, this is, a, we need to do this dog. If you want a dog, this is the dog we need to do. And he wanted to make it awkward. Like he didn't want like this, this big great Dane with all these muscles, you know, that was like a classic straight, really formal dog. Mm -hmm. He wanted something that could be a little campy, a little funny. And when the show started out, it was all about these youngsters that were going around, you know, solving mysteries um, with a van for no reason. We didn't need this like staunch, strong character. We needed something to break the tension, right? They're always right. running for their lives. There's always a bad guy. There's always greed and intensity. Scooby-Doo was the comic relief in the beginning. Shaggy was like, like an owner. Like they said that in the beginning, like he was, he was a, um, uh, Daphne in like one of the first very first episodes says he's great as an acrobat in school like he was into tumbling and everything in school like I didn't even know they taught that in the 70s but you know awesome way to go shaggy right wasn't that <laughs> in the first episode they said he was the swingiest gymnast in school the swingiest gymnast that's right Kate oh my god that's what she I said I would have preferred to learn that than the, the line dancing that I had to take in elementary. <laughs> right? I agree. Um, so what he did, Takamato, what he did to Scooby is he made his eyes extremely big. He made his eyes, his ears a little bit too small. He curved his back on purpose. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he gave his limbs like a little uh, abnormal shape compared to a regular Great Dane. And... I'm going to say something because I know that Johnny said, well, we don't have to talk about it, but I want to. I think Scooby-Doo is an alien. Oh, wow. Oh. Okay. 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 I have okay. a premise for this. I have a premise for this. So, like, I know in the original, it, it doesn't really delve into the characters' backgrounds very much. It mostly is about running and solving the mystery and unmasking the bad guy, right? Well, later on, it talks about Abigail Gluck and a 12th planet it's called planet x okay and this is where it gets kind of interesting because how many other places mention planet x there's a lot in the comic book nerd yeah that became world. Like a huge thing in the in the 80s didn't it where planet x was like everywhere That's, it is yeah. everywhere so apparently there is aliens that come from the planet x they're called anuki they were mentioned in Babylonian text. And this is all in the Scooby-Doo universe, mind you. I'm getting this straight from the older cartoons. But apparently, these Anuki have no physical form. So they inhabit animals. And then their generations afterwards can still talk. So, so skinwalkers. <laughs> okay, I, I remember this theory. Yeah, there was a theory going around. But... Like, it's in, in the cartoons, though. It is in the cartoons. In all fairness, a lot of the Hanna-Barbera animals could talk just naturally, though. Yeah. I mean, like, now we much... have, like, the reason why specifically Scooby-Doo and his gang, his family, are the only dogs that we've seen that talk in this. I think this would be a more reasonable explanation for, um, uh, for Mystery Incorporated, actually. Because, like, in that universe, it actually makes a lot more sense, considering there were actually... There, th he was pretty much a unique animal. Mm -hmm. Like, there were no real other accounts of other animals talking. Yeah. Dave has a good question here. Uh, can the, all the characters understand Scooby or Shaggy the only one? I swear they all did. No, they did. Yeah. Like, uh, Callie Hawkins says uh, Velma did, and she's right. Yeah. 
Yeah, oops, sorry. Oh, no, mm -hmm. that's a good. Right there. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Velma did. Uh, they all understood. I mean, he even was talking to Fred in the first episode. He was like, no, I want two Scooby snacks. <laughs> right. Right. It was more interesting than that. Scooby-Doo can also do normal things we've seen, like whistle, understand English, and speak it, fake sick so that he doesn't have to do any of those nasty things like run away from the bad guy or be part of this, the traps, and negotiate. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe not in the very first two seasons, but I feel like later on, I really love the idea of Scooby being an alien. Well... I mean, he's always just kind of been a very unique dog, and I think that I think his quirks, like uh, uh, Takamoto designed, were mm -hmm. like to make him unique. Like um, from what I remember, he asked the Great Dane, the person who was raising Great Danes, everything that was right about the Great Danes to make it the total opposite, because that would give mm -hmm. him more relatable personality. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, it just complements your notes already, but. That's that's very true. Um, I'm not sure about him being an alien, at least not in that first series. But <coughs> but fair. it is it is a good theory, at least for Mystery Incorporated, because I know in that show they went kind of deeper into why he was a talking animal. Mm -hmm. So I mean, but again, you have more seriousness there. The, they had sort of the absence of seriousness in this show a little bit. They they had taken away from that. I mean, it was still mysterious, it was still deep, and, and there was a lot going on. But yeah, but there was they, really no backstory in those first two seasons, too. Like, you really didn't backstory, meet anybody. The only backstory I really got for Shaggy and Scooby was in that intro. Mm -hmm. And in that intro, he comes out of a movie, and they had just seen uh, Star the Dog Ranger of the mm -hmm. North twice. And Scooby insisted. Scooby insisted, because he's a fan. And Lorraine, <laughs> the thing I love... The thing I love about this is because right away we establish that Shaggy and Scooby have that bond where mm -hmm. Shaggy will do whatever his dog really wants, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you get Shaggy's cowardice where he says, uh, Scooby, go and check out that sound. Like, I'll be right behind you. And he's like, thanks a lot, you know. <laughs> and Scooby goes in and checks it out and Shaggy's just standing there. And, and then he gets concerned and chases after Scooby. So you get this sort of like immediate connection with them and i and mm -hmm. i think that that being established right away was exactly what the series need to to show us their relationships you know i agree um one more thing that i like to talk about is the music because i feel like in these old animations not only did they have painting quality like we talked about back in here on barbara's day like you know, that's one of the reasons it costs so much, too, is like it's it's like animation with that beautiful in-depth. You could walk into a painting like, you know, uh, Mary Poppins style. Like it was so integral and detailed. But the other thing is music because like it moved us then. Like it shaped everything that they each area. And then they like leaked later on other Hanna-Barbera music into all of these, including Scooby-Doo. So apparently three days before the show was supposed to start the original airing of the scooby-doo where are you three days before they were like oh you know what we really want like something very specific um and the guy was like um uh ben Raphael. uh the theme song was written by david mook and ben Raphael, and they were like oh oh okay we'll figure out something they threw it together um and a uh, hassle in the castle with the witch um, and one others, um, a night of fright is no delight. Those two are, um, 
oh wait, Hassel in the Castle, Witch is a Witch, and a, a Night of Fright is No Delight. Those are the only three episodes that don't have the same audio, if you really pay attention, because they use the original instrumental theme. Um, in syndication in the 1990s, they reused it that again. But after that, those three episodes, they have all of that other music is in the other ones. And it's really hard to tell unless you go back there. And the backgrounds, as far as that goes, everything Hanna-Barbera, like the really old ones in the first season especially, they use um, backgrounds from Adventures of Gilligan and the new Adventures. Hmm. So I had no idea that that was something that they did. But Hanna-Barbera went, oh, there, there's green, there's lush, there's houses, there's spooky. We're going to use all this for the first season. And it made it cheaper. But the next season, they really wanted to step it up. And then the following ones for what they called the Scooby-Doo movies, which you were mentioning is basically they lumped in with the first season. They called it the third season. Right. You know, like you were yeah. saying, in 1972 is when that started. But it was really mini movies more than it was like an animated show. And it well, really went more in depth than the first two seasons. Wasn't the third season called just like the, the new Scooby-Doo show or something? It was like Scooby-Doo show? Um, it's According to what's written down, it said the Scooby-Doo movies. So I don't I know. know the Scooby-Doo movies, I thought, was the follow-up to the Scooby-Doo show. Yeah, but the Scooby-Doo show is at that first two seasons, so from 1969 to well, 1978. Where are you was the, so, like, the first two seasons were called Where Are You? Because in my set, yeah. so I have the Blu-ray set, and when it gets to the mm -hmm. third season, it just, like, the title says yeah. um, Scooby-Doo Show. Yeah. And, and like, Scrappy was, like, the other dogs were mentioned, the other relate, but, like, they weren't shown, at least not in my set, so I... I don't know what that's about, but... Yeah, 17 seasons, it says, were made, and then eight more followed in 1970. Wow. You can see it stood the test of time. Oh, definitely. And let's keep in mind, everyone who has never seen it or doesn't know, these are teenagers, okay? We, we have been grilled, and I have gone into the rabbit hole once again to make sure, yes, they were teenagers. And there is a thing where that people are assuming... The big conspiracy is that were they draft dodgers? Let's just face it. They were all in a van. They were about 16, 17 years old, and there was a war going on, and there was two young men that could have been drafted. So there is a big thing on the internet, and it's not just me. I have hmm. seen it more than one person that is like, oh, well, maybe they were trying Aubrey, to run away. Aubrey, I think we got to bring it back to the purpose of the show, like how it was crafted. Because mm -hmm. the whole reason this show was made was because Filmation and everything, they were doing a lot of action shows and there mm -hmm. were angry parent groups that were like, no, this can't, this can't happen. There's too much no, violence yeah. on TV. No more superheroes. They were tired <laughs> of it. So, like, if you really want to go deep, like, go back to the origination of it. Um, they, they were created because it's not an action show. Like, mm. that's the main, and it's sort of a, every cloud has its silver lining story. Because, I mean, it got rid of a lot of the superhero element, but at the same time created a franchise, an IP that is just legendary. I mean, mm -hmm. Scooby-Doo is iconic from the get-go. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they, and they kind of make it a, far, like, a, a, a farce where it, like every episode they do something wacky that ends up capturing the monster mm -hmm. by accident. <laughs> yep, and a lot Very of times true. they don't even mean to be there. There are a lot of situations in, in most of these episodes where they're like, oh, we just happen to be here. 
mysteries mm. follow them. <laughs> My my favorite part, like the first episode, is where they uh they they're talking about the fog, and then that's like Shaggy's cue to come up and say, "Hey, speaking of fog." <laughs> I mean, the timing there was kind of perfect. <laughs> there were there were so many jokes. Shaggy was really quick with his wit. He was. He was. To be like, he was. He's supposed to be like I guess the gang comedian because. I mean, right, like, in that first episode, he trips over Scooby-Doo running for him, and he's like, next time, signal! It was... <laughs> it was gold. It was really the first time I was like, I think I like comedians. <laughs> and then, uh, like, uh, what's uh, what's this tin of armor doing driving a truck? Um, and he's left. he left his armor here, and Shaggy goes to Scooby, he's like, maybe he went out for the night! <laughs> the dad jokes! I mean, if you guys need material for anything, go watch old Scooby-Doo. There is I so love, much material there. I love his puns because, like, and it, and it kind of it transcended this era because if you go back to, like, the 90s comics, it's almost every cover has a shaggy pun. Yeah. It all almost always has a, like, I have a comic where uh, he's he's looking at a bin of comics that's holding their first issue of their own comic and he's saying how he how much he's charging for it. it. It's just like just making a joke on the comic industry with on within the cover of a comic. That's Shaggy. That's yeah. how that's how he's represented, and it never gets old. Did your guys's research ever come up across to uh, why uh, there was like the the canned laughter, uh, kind of like the audience uh, laughter in the background? I'll let Aubrey go first. Okay, sorry. So um, back then, um, like I said, it was inspired by like the old mystery shows on the radio and stuff like that. Hmm. And they wanted to have connection to the live audience because a lot of shows were starting morning shows with a small segment that was just that. Casey Kasem is the voice of Shaggy, by the way. If anybody yeah. loves radio, Casey Kasem. Like I was that girl, always Sherry on the Edgen. radio. Sherry Edgen was just asking. I think that's what the question was like. I'm not sure exactly if that was the question, but yeah, Aubrey just got it. That's Casey Kasem. Sorry, yes, Casey is a um, an old. I'm a I'm a fan, but um, the guy the guy was just amazing. Like, oh, not yeah. only could he Super bring talented. that character, he was not only could he bring that character to life, but like he brought his own like energy. If you listen to Casey Kasem from the radio and the countdown and everything, that's him. He is being mm -hmm. Shaggy. Like he brings the same amount of energy. He's like, Zoic Scoob, you know? I mean, I just, the minute I found out who it was, I'm like, this is so great. How does not everybody in the world know Casey Kasem is our original Shaggy? He was very talented. I mean, he went on, he did uh, the voice of Robin and all the crossovers too. He did. And it was, I mm -hmm. think he was the voice of Robin on, yeah, Super Friends. I think so. Ooh, I didn't and know that one. He did a, a couple characters on Transformers also. He was a couple. He was also the voice of their computer. Oh my mm -hmm. God, you're right. <laughs> well, I mean, I spend a lot of time with cartoons. <laughs> Appropriate. Well, Cherry is asking. Is said that you sound like Shaggy. I uh, I could I try. <laughs> I got. It's not great, but it's like a Zoic Scoob. It's 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 a, as good as I can pretty get. Good. It's pretty good. I can yeah. hardly ever do a Scooby. I I get like um, 
<laughs> about, about as good as the laugh gets. <laughs> but you know, Shaggy and Scooby are just—they're the heart of the team, and you can't—you can't go wrong with them. They're like as soon as you watch the show, you connect with those two, and you know that you're supposed to because that's how they're set up. And Matthew Lillard said it best a little while later. He's like. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby, like they're they're like the kids of the group that the audience watches. They they connect with because like they're always hungry, they're always scared. Mm -hmm. These are things that mm -hmm. anyone can relate to, and yeah. and I think I think because they're so, you know, versatile in their relatability, that it just automatically makes them, well, lovable. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. What was your guys' favorite character out of the whole group? Now, I'm going with Shaggy. I'm going with Shaggy. I love Shaggy. I love his personality. So I have to be honest. I do dress like Daphne now, but up until I lost my 150 pounds, I always dressed as Velma because girl crush. So maybe I think it's appropriate now that I'm in, in Daphne. I don't know. But yes, like she was the smarty pants. She was yeah. the one when anything was going wrong in a certain area, they're like, hey, Velma, you know? And yes, it wasn't like 100% of the time the whole team was necessary, but I feel like Velma was very much the go-to girl when you needed her. She was there in a pinch with that extra bit of push the team needed when 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 traps were all the thing and Daphne was getting caught and yeah. Scooby-Doo was nowhere to be seen or running for his life and forgetting that everybody else existed. Aubrey, do you remember Daphne's old nickname? No, what was <laughs> she, it? She's doing the she's doing the face like she knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Go ahead, you can do it. I found out, and I'm so sad. Daphne was called danger prone Daphne. That was her <laughs> thing. She was called danger prone <laughs> Daphne, and it and it fits because in the very first episode, she accidentally pulls a lever that opens the door for the night to come in, and Shaggy's like, "Way to go, Daphne! Pulling the wrong lever. Leave it to her." <laughs> <laughs> oh, Leave that is choose the wrong funny. <laughs> yes, the very first episode, I they turn her into the oopsie character. But, oh, but okay, let's bring it back for a second. Let's bring it back. I gotta I gotta compliment the series because the first the first series, "Where Are You." did a very nice job of splitting up the detective work for all of the mm -hmm. characters. Even mm -hmm. Shaggy was finding clues. Like oh, he wasn't... Shaggy was in his prime in the first two seasons. Oh, definitely. And there, there are a few other shows uh, and movies that bring that back a little, but it just depends on the writing and who's, mm -hmm. who's doing it at the time. Now, the thing I love about the first episode is Daphne finds the first clue. She really does. She looks down, she finds this letter, it's the museum. That's how mm -hmm. they figure out where the night came from. If they hadn't found that, they wouldn't have ever found the, the culprit. Yep, and that was their very first mystery. I will say that if you like Daphne at all, you guys should really, really do a deep dive because I am dressing as her, so I figured might as well do a little more information on my least favorite, no, I'm not kidding. I, she was my least favorite till this um, character, but danger prone Daphne, which is kind of funny because <laughs> I'm a little bit accident prone, not gonna lie. But you and me both. <laughs> Considering two years ago, I, you know, yeah, try to test gravity and yeah. You were trying to what? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Wait, I like running... you got up in the morning and you were like, no, is it I, I working was, today? <laughs> I was running for my bus and uh, because I was running late, tripped on my own two feet oh. and 
nosedived right into oh. the pavement. I understand. I didn't break anything. I didn't lose Yay. any teeth. But, That's good. Uh, I have the pictures uh, up on my Facebook page and my Instagram of like the bruises right oh. here. <laughs> That's sad. Well, if you guys ever decide to look up Daphne, she has a huge family. Okay. Right. I didn't know this, but she has a doctor as a sister, a model as a sister, a race car driver as a sister, a Marine as a sister. Her uncle is a rancher. Her cousin is a famous French model. And we meet all these people throughout the series, by the way, guys. So crazy. Well, um, okay, but we got to specify that some of these things are from different shows. Yes, yes. They're not from the first two seasons. This is lore that's added in. As kind it of an grows, instigator. I guess. I want you guys to go watch more because <laughs> I want more fans of Scooby-Doo, man. Also, if you like Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel right now has a section of Scooby-Doo items. Where are you, Scooby-Doo, mind you? So go get your t-shirt, your hoodie. I'm not saying I'm advertising for them, but go get some Scooby-Doo swag, guys. <laughs> oh, what what uh, place has that? Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel? Wow. Mm -hmm. I, I might have to track down a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> you know, you I'll saw my collection of mystery machines. I love Scooby-Doo. Mm, there's a big one of him. Like, he's like this oh, big. Oh, my. He's enormous. I might see him and just be like, I have to take him home. <laughs> it's very um, possible. Kate, anything uh, of... Did you find anything of interest while you were doing your research? Okay, well, I do have a very specific topic that I wanted to make an episode on, but my show, Cartoon Commotion, we rewind to the cartoons of yesterday, the 80s and 90s, for a new perspective nowadays. And so this would be rewinding a little further back, being at 69 and 70s. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I did plan to do this on my show, but I, I'm going to bring it here. I'm going to bring the value here because I think you guys are going to like it. Um, so I'm pretty sure Aubrey is already <laughs> discovered this but do you know how uh, scooby got his name no no i think it, I okay. think it came up in a previous episode but my brain is <laughs> so isn't working we had mentioned one part of it already with too much but mm -hmm. it's actually a three-part structure believe it or not this is a really detailed uh or elaborate history that scooby-doo has for his name okay uh, so Frank, um, Fred Silverman, he was kind of in a pickle with that original mm -hmm. concept of the show, and it eventually became, so you said it was like Mystery House, was it? Yes, 1969, it was Mystery House from Fred Silverman, so inspired by a mystery. Eventually, it became Who's Scared, mm -hmm. and yep. that was when it started getting more developed from the show uh, The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis. Hmm. And, you know, that's where we get a lot of the character models that we have today with Fred. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. Yep. You see and a comment Jody right McPhee uh, mentions it as well. Uh, so you got that development going on, uh, but the network and, I guess, executives were like, no, we can't do this. It's actually too scary. So mm -hmm. Fred Silverman decided to actually focus the show on the dog. He's He wanted it all focused in on the main character, but they didn't really have a good name because at the time it was like still too much. And now here's the thing that everybody knows, or, or at least most fans of Scooby-Doo know, is that he got the 
name like Doobie Doo from the Frank Sinatra stro- song Strangers in the Night, which was oh. very popular at the time, and he was probably even listening to it at the time. He was just like, oh, that's it. Doobie Doo. We got it. What we didn't know was that there's actually a SEAL character that went by the name Scooby just a year prior. Oh. And the, the, na- the SEAL was called Scooby the SEAL, and it was also voiced by Don Messick. Oh. And it was on... It was on a show called uh, Mighty Mitor. It was um, uh, Moby Dick and the Mighty Mitor. Hmm. And so that literally wrapped up as this began production. Coincidence, I think not. Wow. Scooby the Seal became Scooby-Doo, voiced by Don Messick, and they added the Dooby-Doo from Frank Sinatra. So it's a three-part thing. You got too much. That is awesome. I never found that. That's so hmm. cool. Thank you. I, I'm very excited about it myself. <laughs> you got you got the name Too Much, and then you got Frank Sinatra, and then you got Scooby the Seal. That's how he got his name. And honestly, you got to give props to Fred Silverman being like basically the designer of Saturday Morning Cartoons here. He mm-hmm. formed this show out of multiple sources. Like I said, this was supposed to be Archie's. Like mm-hmm. th- he wanted to do Archie. That's how the whole music group thing happened was because it yep. was supposed to be Archie's. And then they're just yep. like, well, Filmation has that. We can't do that. So they went this route. Yeah, they I took the band idea got, away. I think that's why they got in early with uh, Josie and the Pussycats. They're like, oh, we're not missing our opportunity here. No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. But the, but the irony, the mystery machine thing works for them, though. It, and it has been working for, what, 50 years? It does. Yeah. Yeah. It's a part of them. And I have a question for everyone. If you want to fill it out in the comments, that would be awesome. Quick question for some engagement here. Mm-hmm. You'll what win a no prize. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about this? Do you consider the Mystery Machine the unofficial, like, sixth member of the gang? Ooh. Good question. I like personally, that idea. Personally, I see the Mystery Machine as a character. I mean, it's not its not just a collectible that I have. I, I see it as an iconic representation you're, of the whole game. You're right, because there is no mystery machine without the van. Mm-hmm. That's true. The van is like, I mean, you could put that van on a t-shirt and you know it's Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. You don't, you're like, I mean, obviously you need Scooby, but what I'm saying is you could represent the whole show with that van. Here we go. We got Brad Parnell. It's not the answer to that, but he says they have a song called Scooby-Doo from the Archies. That, you know, I actually found that when I was doing research. I actually found that. Good to know. I I didn't know that one. I kind of want to hear it. I kind of want to listen to it. I know. Sherry Edgen says definitely yes. Anybody else (laughs) here, feel free to chime in, because there are some mixed opinions I've seen on this. Way to go, Mr. Okay, so... Uh, when they introduced Scrappy-Doo, I know he wasn't the most interesting character. I think that was, what, the 80s that they started bringing Scrappy-Doo in? Uh, it was a little well, earlier than that. Late, late okay. I know he wasn't the best character. He's still considered one of the most hated characters out of the group. Um Put him up. But Put him up. there was some. There was there was a little bit of a charm too. Oh, that Brad Parnell broke. says uh, that he was 14 when uh, Scrappy debuted in 1979. Brad Parnell with the eras and the years. I love it. 
Thank you for being specific because my brain yeah. goes everywhere. <laughs> but, you know, it, it uh, had they written him a little bit better into the storyline, I think people would uh, like him a little bit better because they seem uh, these little. Okay, so in Thundercats, there's always been like that one <laughs> little character that they try mm -hmm. to create as one of the. Uh, as like a side character but and it ended up being like one of the most hated yeah yeah like i can feel where you're going with this it's, uh, what, do they call those? what do they call those it's like um terrible um no i'm getting my words mixed up just continue um but i feel like now if we were to introduce scrappy do uh, as as a side character as a lovable side character they seem to do it better now nowadays than they did then mm -hmm. and they Definitely seem to could. be like the most popular one out of the group mm -hmm. i think okay so like if you go back to we were just talking about the real ghostbusters on um my previous uh live stream and i i think that slimer did well in that show because he was used as a well an actual useful character he actually brought something to the team and yeah. i yeah. think scrappy was sort of uh more or less presented as a well, as a, as a joke. Yeah. And and if he was, like you said, if he was just, like, more a part of the team and actually brought something useful to the team, then it would be less of a, oh, I've got to protect Scrappy now, and more of, like, a, this is actually helpful. Like, oh, okay, so you, you actually did something beneficial. Like, Slimer would actually, like, if he could trip a bad guy, he would, like, smear his own slime on a railing, and it would make... Uh, the bad guy fall over if he had legs, you know, depending yeah. on what it is. And or he would go and push a button when he needed to, you know, pull a cord out. He actually did things that were helpful. Like Scrappy could do that. He's small, he could get into places and and cut wires if he had to. He could do anything. Uh anything that a small dog could do. <laughs> <laughs> um but honestly, my opinion is personally, I I like Scrappy as a villain. I think he was a really good villain like uh, out of the first movie. I just, I, after that first movie, and I know a lot of people didn't like that. Okay. I know I, I'm a very, I have a very unpopular opinion of this, but I enjoy Scrappy's presence as a villain. Cause I just think he makes a really great villain. He does. He does. He does. I, he does. He's so angry. Exactly. <laughs> and it, like, he just got this personal vengeance thing going on. Mm -hmm. So it makes for like a really nice, um, uh, What's rival. that thing that short people have that, you know, they, <laughs> short I'm not people, saying for myself anyway. <laughs> short people aggression. Sherry Edgen complimenting Aubrey. Napoleon complex. She says, Aubrey, you do look like Daphne. <laughs> and... Ryan Permission saying is taking the show seriously with that cosplay. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you guys notice, every episode, my backdrop is different, and my outfit is themed to the show. It's really impressive. What are you going to do when you get to those obscure cartoons, I wonder? Oh, well, that's what it was. It was difficult when we did Johnny Quest. I had to be like, okay, got to look like I'm going to the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when you do, like, a robot theme, like, if you go Transformers, you could always just, like, cut out cardboard and put it on you, I guess. <laughs> I think I might need to try that. I think I might need to try, like, a shoulder piece. I'll try to make a shoulder piece. 
Oh. Ryan Permission says, I grew up watching Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf. Ooh, that was a good one. Now, if I remember correctly, that was during the red shirt ears of Shaggy. I think so. I think so. It wasn't <laughs> as um, <laughs> it wasn't as good um, when it came to some of it, but I, I think it, it was a um, a nice foray into the other ones. You know, Hex Girls is a really big thing for me um, because I started watching the old '70s Scooby Doo reruns and fell in love with it. And then you know we get to like the Hex Girl level era, and I'm like it's a totally different group. You know so much more about them. You know, you, you, you've heard their family stories. You've seen them go to different countries by this time. Famous people have been in the show and you're like, what's going to be next? And then this, you know, cool, witch girl group and all this supernatural stuff is going on. You're like, it's a little different of a show, but I still love it even more. Yeah. And I think I'm trying to remember uh, Tom Ruger, I think did the direction on that first 13 ghost series. I think that was like I think I think that's right, and that was kind of where he got started on uh, a lot of that comedy before Tiny Toons and everything mm -hmm. happened. So you get to see a lot of that happen. Like what uh, Scooby at one time like literally quits being the mascot of the show, and that and that he was like I'm done, I'm out, <laughs> and it didn't pan out. So he came back. It was sort of a Looney Tunes bit. Like there was this one Looney Tunes cartoon where. Uh, Elmer Fudd was just like, I'm done, and he left, and then he came back and he reestablished his contract with Warner and just went right back into it. So you get the sort of fourth-wall-breaking shenanigans going on there that you wouldn't have in the typical Scooby-Doo show. Mm -hmm. um, and that continued on into Pup Named Scooby-Doo, which sure. Pup Named Scooby-Doo, I, I gotta stress, was more comedy than it was mystery. And It was. It was Velma, great, though. It was way. great. It was great. Velma was like basically the brain and the others were just kind of like, I guess the sugar coating mm -hmm. and it, it's enjoyable, but it's like, it's a totally different flavor. Yeah. You got to understand. It's a totally different flavor of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> that's like, kind of the great add, part, right? They all add their own little uh, charm to it mm -hmm. as each character, but there seems like not a whole lot of people like Fred as a as a character. I, I haven't met anybody who, who who liked Fred. Nobody who likes Fred. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I I'm not sure. I mean, I I don't have any strong opinions on Fred. I think he's a capable leader. Mm -hmm. uh, at least in the first series, he was. Like he definitely took charge, and you you, you were like, okay, I can understand this guy's leading the the charge. He's leading the crew. So. That he had that going for him. Otherwise, <laughs> I have no strong opinions on Fred. <laughs> kind of a boring character. <laughs> they 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 fleshed him out a little bit better later on. You know, okay. if if they you did. really yeah, if you watch all of the series, they really flesh out his character and make it so you see like this kind of really cool like awakening where Fred seems like just the guy with the traps. Right. He really doesn't do much except drive the van. And then you're like, wait. He also talks to a bunch of the adults. He helps set up the mysteries when they're official and they're there to look for something specific. And later on, he kind of like helps highlight the strengths of each of the people. So just, you know, check out every true. season. Okay. That is true. Okay. Like he'll, he'll notice like the skill sets that the different uh, mm -hmm. team members have and he'll utilize them well. 
So okay. what a good leader does, you yeah, know, like, oh, you leader. do this, you do this, because what does a best leader do? Sees our strengths and works with us, not against us. I think if you want like more uh, personality for Fred, you got to wait till like you get shows like you got Mr. Incorporated has a lot of personality for Fred. But the movies, I'd say check out Scooby-Doo Camp Scare. He was hilarious in that. He tried to be like a leader I agree. in camp. I've seen that one. It was phenomenal. Um, it was good. And, it was very campy. And then there was like a lot of uh, love between Fred and Daphne in the... Um, it was it was a Phantom of an Opera Phantom of the Opera spoof movie Stage Fright that's what it's mm -hmm, called mm -hmm. and that honestly had okay st stick around don't just don't stop when you see the credits because there's some bonus scenes in that that are okay. just they're worth watching they're hilarious I, I uh, like Cherry's comment on uh, Fred Fred is just there don't like or dislike except he formed the group and remember he owns the van. Uh, modified it for uh, for the mysteries. And, Ooh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, he's Which the guy with the gives, vehicle. Gives me a whole new insight into his character a little bit more. Uh, so he does have some intelligence to him. <laughs> true, and it, it's sort of a mixed lore because, like uh, Callie Hawkins was saying, uh, "Be cool, Scooby Doo." Uh, is where Fred develops an awesome relationship with the mystery machine. I I agree. I think it's always been there, but it's like highlighted in that show, and mm -hmm. and that show skipped over for the art style. But give it a chance; it's hilarious, and it goes back to the roots of Scooby Doo with a lot of the references. And they they like hardly even tried; they just pulled in that comedy, that strength of the comedy from the old show, and it it is like a love letter to Scooby Doo. It really Aww. is. I'd say Daphne was changed the most, but I wouldn't consider it a negative because she's she's not like like a lot of people could perceive her as like just being stupid in that. Mm -hmm. But I'd say she's actually eccentric because she would do unusual and elaborate things. Mm -hmm. And and it's just like other people don't. So it's automatically looked at as why are you being an idiot? But that's not true. <laughs> it's just eccentric. And it was, it was a phenomenal show that, that just so much homage paid to the original series. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely have to say that Be Cool is majorly slept on in terms of like the general public. Like not many people consider that very good Scooby-Doo. Mm. Well, we'll definitely have to revisit that one then. <laughs> we have uh, Brad Parnell with Frank Walker is the brilliant is a brilliant voice artist. Wild words. He was original, originally Fred and took over Scooby-Doo after Don Messick died. Yeah. Interesting. Like, I, like, I love, I, I love the, in, I love Action. our chat. Mm -hmm. Because Thank you they give us so much more information than, than our own research. <laughs> well, like, I know the stuff about the, the Frank Welker, but I thought that was, uh, like, Aubrey was going to cover that. <laughs> I like that we're feed back and forth with all the info mm. from everybody. We're just, we're just going to jump off of each other's <laughs> senses here. I like it. And I, you know what, you guys, I appreciate both of you doing your research on these cartoons that we, that we revisit because it gives me more of an insight of what actually went on, what, like the background work of like the planning that went on for these cartoons. Um, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to do the research with with you guys, but 
I like listening to you guys. I'll uh, I'll I'll let you guys do the research <laughs> for me, and I just listen. <laughs> so, so on that note, one more thing that I forgot to mention. So Takamoto, remember this guy? He was yes. big deal when it came to this time period in our cartoon history. Okay, so Warner Brothers scapped him up in '96, right after like Hanna Barbera. He went from Hanna Barbera's pocket to Hey Warner Brother, you know. And he was kind of pretty awesome, I have to say. Like, this man, he was called, a.k.a. the man with the golden gut. Like, it's somebody, to, uh, that's Time Magazine, by the way, and said that. That's um, a very interesting him. quote. Like, he had a gut instinct for, like, really oh. awesome ideas. <laughs> you think, you know, okay, you meant, you, yeah. I just Met immediately me. pictured a guy, like, with, like, gold on his gut or something. <laughs> 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 yes he had gut instinct like crazy i don't know about you know if it was gold but time magazine did think it was um he did all of the design work for um the the major part for the animation department with like finalizing it for the merchandising as well hmm. so all those toys that came out like i know johnny loves toys i didn't get to tell him why he was here but takamoto was like main man when it came to what came out, what he thought would be a good seller, the designs. I remember playing with old Scooby-Doo toys from the early 80s. This little plastic, like, you know, weird shape. You couldn't really move their legs only, just the front legs. Do you remember, Cade, maybe? Yeah. I remember, okay. so, like, the, my earliest memory of a, of a Scooby-Doo toy was definitely not then. It was more like in the, it might have been a re remake in the 2000s but there was okay. one that i had that was like a bobblehead but mm -hmm. it was like fleece and it oh, was okay. very small i have one that's similar to it on my desk today but it's totally different than the than that one yeah uh, so the old scooby-doos i haven't been able to find one still they're like this big and the back haunches kind of swiveled a little bit but the front legs would just do this weird little thing where you could just like that so his hands <laughs> could be in the air that's but, awesome but everybody had like something like that. We, you, you've got so many mystery machines. People had yeah. Scooby-Doo's plushies. They they had the the villains. The villains. You've got the villains. I saw that villain. And I was like, oh my god! I want to <laughs> see a I want to see a minor 49er. Where is it? Um, you know, like this is what I'm talking about. These these things. Takamoto had a huge huge hand in. Um, he received a Windsor McKay Award for animation. Um, for more than 50 years in his field so wow. when people talk about the hanna-barbera takamoto should be like hand in hand with those early cartoons that influenced a lot of american kids today oh yeah yeah he was like the essential designer there and i i love that you brought up these so i was thinking of like i wonder if he had a hand in um the wacky wobblers at the time because like those were like the Ooh. original funko pops and so like I would I would love to know the history and like what sort of to like the extent of the designs mm -hmm. that were used from him because you know, like that really is the essential look of Scooby Doo and and everything came out of his pen there Me metaphorically yeah. speaking it could have been a paintbrush <laughs> yeah he was, um, he was no go ahead no he, he would just like almost the grandfather um, hand in hand with Fred Silverman you know like they worked on a lot of Hanna Barbera stuff together. So mm -hmm. you think about that, like, those two were kind of like the great uncles of early Saturday morning cartoons, like the mm -hmm. basis, the bedrock in the in the 70s before all of this flooded out in the 80s and 90s.
it is really interesting to think of how essential Fred Silverman was to the experience because mm -hmm. you, you don't think of it's like he's like basically a TV executive. He's not really he's not doing the show. He's not really a part of that that, but he's an essential part of the production. Mm -hmm. I mean, he formed it basically this is like he took different parts of different things he's like i want archies i want mystery i want this comedy show but mm -hmm. i want it to be your show so like you take the and then they gave it to ruby spears and ruby spears gave us scooby-doo and to this day <laughs> oh oh i have to correct myself it's not takamoto it is fred silverman aka the man with the golden gun it is fred silverman okay, my apologies see, that yes takamoto worked hand in hand with him but, that makes a little the, more sense. But Fred Silverman, in 1977, if you look up the Time magazine, it is the golden guy. He's the man. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Clicked it at the same time. I I appreciate you, Terry. <laughs> uh, a lot of the stuff that I know is, well... Thanks to people like uh, Kate and Aubrey, where they tell me this stuff and it just kind of sticks. And then I go into like uh, um, <laughs> we have weird trivia nights and I, I end up kicking butt on all these pop culture stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that or I, I still I, love I, the I, turtle mug. <laughs> Um, that or uh, whenever there's like a fandom event and there's a, um, a trivia night, I will actually go and get my friends who are like freaking geniuses when it comes to television and movies. And it's like, hey, let's do trivia and win some of these prizes. <laughs> I step back when it comes to trivia night. <laughs> Uh, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> like you guys wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, it, it, totally, totally. It's a very a... unfair advantage to have geek friends with, um, <laughs> with, with obsessions galore. Especially a... ones that will like literally watch every movie when it comes out. <laughs> I think it was my my first con. They did trivia, and somehow I was I was just present at the right time, and I was one question away from winning a shirt. I don't even remember what the question was, but that's that's how I got it wrong. Well, okay, so uh, the last trivia contest that I took place uh, was a couple of years ago. Um, and one of the questions was, what was the original car for Christine, if anybody's watched the movie? But he didn't specify movie or book. Oh, and okay. I said the, the the car for the book, and he's like, no, it was this. I'm like, uh, in the book is this. Yeah. <laughs> so I got a half point, but oh. my husband's a car guy. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Stephen King is is a, a wonderful writer. We'll have to touch on his stuff later. Um, but anything else that we should know about Scooby Doo from your guys's research? Aubrey, you want to go first? Um, I I think just you know reminding people that it's a story that has um, a lot of layers, and each it does separate Scooby-Doo series brings its own flavor 
and depth and kind of like an evolution of all of the characters. You don't you know a little bit more. Look for Crystal Cave, Crystal Cove, guys. Okay, Crystal Cove is kind of like an awesome place, and they come from there. So, you know, you take all these bits and pieces, the lore about the Scooby-Doo being, you know, an alien, um, which I like, <laughs> because the thought of that is like very anime. And I will admit I am an enormous anime fan. Um, if we ever touch on that or have a series, um, I would love to be a part of that um, because I am a hardcore anime fan. Um, but I definitely think just just give all of them a try um the movies are standalone sometimes but then sometimes it feels like they just breathe life into the new series that's coming also so um it's it never dies honestly scooby-doo is kind of like gonna live forever story um it's carried us from the 70s 80s 90s and today every generation in between that has been touched by it has felt some kind of kinship with either the characters that were humans or the adventures they went on the life they lived was also shaped, the fashion was shaped, but it also staggered in difference. So you can't really not see one of them and love them because there's so much of a variety. There's a little bit for everybody, even the new Velma and the new movies that are supposed to be coming out. Check them out, whether it's something for Halloween, which I do love, or it's summertime. Scooby-Doo's got everything in, in between for anybody. Absolutely. And, and uh, I think that, uh, okay. Scooby-Doo is just fun, not the new Scooby-Doo, the older stuff. <laughs> yeah, we all got our favorites, right? Yeah. Um, see, for me, I'm thinking, like, returning to the old stuff is is very hard for some people. Like, they look back, they're like, ah, it's not, it doesn't have the same bite that I like. But I, I've got to tell you, i got to tell you, give give it a shot. Give it a shot. Go back well, and check they, out the old stuff. These old cartoons actually, uh, some of them actually do still hold up. Like it, it may be a little cheesy for our time, but I kind of like it. I, I like the yeah. cheesiness and it, because because we know how and now how much work was put into a lot of these productions, and I I love the art. I will always love the art from the older the cartoons. Art is fantastic. Yeah, if and you they, want to see a greedy tried, guy get exposed, this is the show. They even tried <laughs> some very unique cinematics with the with the first season, and I think it. I think there were some in the second, but like, I noticed a lot of unique camera angles, like trying to zoom up and being like very clever with the camera, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't very common in the uh, Hanna Barbera shows, and I think that's because it was more prevalent uh, or common in the um, Ruby Spears productions. Um, if I were to say, like, the reason this IP stood the test of time, it's because when you watched it, it was kind of like you're hanging out with friends. It's like, today, you can come back to this show, and you can still feel like you're comfortable. Like, you were talking about, um, sort of like the campiness of it, and it was campy. It's like, but when you come back to it, it's, there's some sort of, like, predictability that's sort of comforting. Mm -hmm. And some of that is lost as time goes on so that's why i'm saying it's like the new shows with the deeper and darker mysteries are f fantastic but this sort of like comforting uh, rela uh relatability and friendship it's at the core of scooby-doo and you get that here where it all started mm -hmm. so don't miss out on this just because you like that darker stuff okay <laughs> that that stuff came in as it progressed and, it, and it's you know definitely in the vibe of scooby-doo still but this original, like where the heart came from, it's all here. Mm -hmm. 
All right, I guess we should start saying our goodbyes. Uh, Audrey, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Donnie Even K on Instagram and Facebook. Kate, where can we find you? I am Cartoon Commotion everywhere. Cartoon Commotion, your favorite cartoon weirdo, Kate, can be found on <laughs> Facebook. Twitter. I am on Instagram, hardly ever there, but you know, Facebook and uh, Twitter and YouTube, Cartoon Commotion. Check us out. We rewind to the tunes of yesterday for a new perspective nowadays with my pal Jiggy. <laughs> and uh, what are you touching on this week? Uh, tonight, we are going to be going over G.I. Joe and the Heart of a Hero. Oh, fascinating. Audrey, do you have anything planned for this weekend? Oh, I might be going to a Jersey-style pool party. We'll see. Sweet. Can't wait for the pictures on that. <laughs> all right. You guys can find me all over social media. I am the social media socialite. Uh, <laughs> tune in. Uh, Sunday will be the... Uh, um, oh, boy, brain. Uh, the... Uh, I won't be doing anything this weekend, but except for La La Lunacy, but uh, if you guys can stay here, uh, keep your internet locked here, <laughs> because we have not just Cade, but on Sunday we have the Ice Cream Queens, um, uh, but for me, I'm going to be helping out with the production of La La Lunacy tonight at 9.45. If you guys are in Winnipeg, please come watch the show. Such talented actors. I will be back on stage on July 26th at 4.15 p.m. Uh, to bring back uh, my character of Henrietta the Countess. So I can't wait to do this. You guys uh, keep keep an eye on my social media pages because I've been trying to get some interviews in and I'm even, you know, trying to get a chance to look at a ghost at the theater mm -hmm. that we're in. All right. So who are you going to call Willow? Maybe <laughs> uh, <baby>, you guys. <laughs> you know, if, if Ghostbusters and Scooby. Okay. So I know we're closing, but I got to ask who wouldn't love, a Ghostbusters meet the, you know, the real Ghostbusters meet the original Scooby-Doo. That would be so <laughs> that would be awesome. awesome. That, I would love that as a team-up. I had this whole idea where, like, they come into the real Ghostbusters universe and they're not used to real ghosts at this time. <laughs> so, like, they experience real ghosts in their universe for the first time ever. And then, like, <laughs> what if the Ghostbusters villain is instead of it being a real ghost, it's actually a guy in a costume. So you get this sort of like crossover thing, you know? Yeah. I, I just, I think that would be fantastic. And it's not been done. And it's like, guys, if you're hearing this, steal this idea and do it. <laughs> do the thing, Come do on, the we thing, have a lot of thing. fan groups that actually do these costumes. Let's get them together. Let's do a cosplay internet. We have, even though there's the writer strike happening, we can do this on our own and make these mm -hmm. you know what, you know what Willow? shows. You know what, Willow? That's perfect timing. Writer strike is perfect timing because we'll write it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll write it. We're Absolutely. not on strike. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, All right. So I'm going to play the uh, uh, commercial for Crayley's uh, Pokeballs and we'll say our Pokemon love cereal. 
Hi, I'm Crayley from Pokeballs by Crayley. You probably recognize me from appearing on various shows on the Cereal Box Network. For the month of July 2023, I will be running a very special collection. I am teaming up with the network to do a special breakfast-themed collection. So go to CrayleyVanessa.com. And featured right there on my store page is the breakfast collection because Pokemon love breakfast. Most of them love it as much as Pikachu likes that ketchup bottle. You know what I'm talking about. So again, that's C-R-A-Y-L-E-V-A-N-E-S-T dot com. Or you can hit the link in the description wherever you're finding this video. All right, you guys have a great day. Thank you for joining us on Back of the Cereal Box. We'll be back with another show next week.